Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to John 14. John 14, verses 1 through 7. John 14, 1 through 7, as you're opening up there. I just want to say we are uh, making a little switch. We will finish, Lord willing, 2 Corinthians later. Uh, but I, I just felt a sense uh, this week that really wanted to, to make sure that, that those who are out looking for answers can find them. And so the sermon series we were already planning to do around Easter, I've just expanded a little bit and, and started a little early. And uh, we'll, we'll begin asking this question this week, who is Jesus? It's a question Jesus himself asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And in the coming weeks, we'll be looking at that question and thinking through who Jesus is, what he means for us today. And I, I want you to know that if you have questions about who Jesus is, if you're struggling during this time, I, I want to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if you have your Bibles open there to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7, uh, join me in the reading of the words of our God. John writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that as the words on this, in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to us. Beginning verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we pray and we ask you even now to open our hearts and minds to receive your word. And God, it's my prayer. We would be changed by your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I bet you had one. Uh, I, bet, I bet you had one. I know I had one. Everybody I knew had one. In fact, most of the people I knew had several different colors. You wanted to make sure when you had a cool new fit, outfit, you know, when you're coming out ready to roll, you want to make sure it matched your outfit. What I'm talking about are WWJD bracelets. Now, what's weird about these things is they hit really hard. Sort of the irony of it, at least in my life, is they hit really hard when I was in middle school, um, which was a time in life where virtually nobody can do what the jewelry said to do. Uh, it's kind of the time when you're really struggling to actually do what the jewelry said to do. But the idea was, look, got one on today. And uh, what would Jesus do? So I'm walking out about town. Well, not anymore. I'm somewhere in my house. And uh, I'm about to do something terrible. Uh, lock a kid up, something like that. Try to, you know, just whatever I'm tempted to do in the course of a day. And I, the idea is I look down and there's that bracelet. And those simple initials are just enough for me to, to remember. What would Jesus do? Is, would Jesus do this? 
I said, I don't think Jesus was under self-quarantine, but uh, probably not, you know. And uh, no, of course not. Now, that's a good thought for believers, right? It's a good thing for those of us who are believers to think about. Uh, It's a good thought for anyone to think about in general, but it's not the message of Christianity. Thanks be to God. It's a good thing for a believer to think, but it is not the message of Christianity. And when the WWJD bracelet thing was really hot, and when people were sort of thinking in those terms a lot, and sort of thinking in that direction a lot, what were we inadvertently telling the world? If you want to be a Christian, you better act like Jesus. If you want to be a Christian, you better act like Jesus. A few years ago, a couple years ago, a seminary up in the Northeast that's pretty pretty well known and pretty proud about the fact that they're very theologically liberal. They're, they have a very low view of, of the inspiration of the Bible and a very low view that miracles really happen, those sorts of things. Very theologically liberal. They sent out a tweet, and this is what it said. I'll, I'll read it to you. No one comes to God except through me. It's simply Jesus' prophetic announcement that to know and enter into a relationship with God, what you must do is emulate Jesus. Embrace folk on the margins, stand against imperial abuses, and love one's neighbor. That is, if you want to come to God through Jesus, how does it happen? You act like him. Act like Jesus. If you want to know God, if you want a relationship with God, you better act like Jesus. What were we saying even on accident? What were they saying probably not realizing even what they were saying? Jesus was simply a moral teacher. And he came into the world to show us how to act right. He came into the world to show us how to act right. Some of us, that's even how we teach our children. Hey, hey, hey is that really what Jesus would have you do? I, I can remember a lot of times when I was growing up, people would say all the time, is that what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? And what we hear and what we're really saying is Jesus came to just show us the rules, to show us how to behave right. And and there are people all over the country, all over the place, who who would look at this and say, it's so narrow and so stodgy. In fact, it's even ridiculous, you might say, to believe or to think or to argue that Jesus is something more more than just a moral teacher. He teaches us good morals. You kind of look at his life. He's, you know, he's on the artwork holding a lamb. He's gentle and sweet, and we do what we're supposed to do. However, this morning, I want you to know that the good news about who Jesus is is so much better than that. It it is miserable. If all I, I, I'm just going to tell you, it is not worth doing this if all I have to tell you about Jesus is that he came to tell you how to act right. Let's all just go home and, uh, I don't know, we'll watch Joel Osteen. At least he promises us some money or something, you know. This is a stupid idea to, to try to continue to preach if all Jesus did was teach us how to act right. No, the, the good news about Jesus is better than that. This morning, I want to show you three truths that are going to show you that Jesus is far greater and far better than just another moral teacher. Jesus isn't simply teaching us how to behave. In fact, he behaved perfectly for us. He is showing us how to come to know God, and that is through himself. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is this, the life. 
And these truths can revolutionize how you understand God and can revolutionize your very life. Three points this morning showing us that Jesus isn't just another moral teacher. Here's the first. Jesus doesn't show the way. He is the way. Jesus doesn't show the way. He is the way. You see, a great moral teacher would show the way to God or to God. That's what we would expect of a, of a great moral teacher, a great religious leader. Show us the way. How can we find God like you found God? How can we walk in the way that you walked? Well, that's what we expect from a great moral teacher. They, they might even show us not just the way to God. Maybe a great moral teacher would show us a way to God. One path among many. But let's just say that's really who Jesus is. Let's say he is just a mere moral teacher. And, and we all have tons of access to great moral teaching. What makes us think we'd follow it? You ever considered that thought? Even if God did send someone just to show you how to act, what makes us think we'd follow it? God's own people didn't follow it. When God sent them Moses to show them the law, we, we didn't follow it. What makes you think you would follow great moral teach, teaching? I mean, listen, I know what you've done this week. You just hip-tossed someone at Johnson's this week for a family pack of 80-20 ground chuck. You're on your way into Walmart to find some groceries, and you say, all right, let's get rid of this thing. I'm going to take my shiv into Walmart this week because I'm ready to get what I need to get. We all recognize when we're pushed that was my WWJD bracelet that I threw. Okay, And so we all recognize when we're pushed. We, we all recognize when we're struggling. We all recognize when we're put against the wall. We're, we're not following moral teaching nearly as well as we think we would. If Jesus was presenting the way or even a way, what makes us think we'd follow the way? This morning, why don't you just consider for a moment the things that Jesus actually taught? And, and then ask yourself if it's really possible for you to live up to them in your own strength. Now, we all probably agree that murder is wrong. I, I've, I've, I've only met one person my whole life who believed there were no moral wrongs. He was an Uber driver or Lyft one, a, a, a car service driver in Dallas, Texas. And he told me he didn't think anything was wrong in the world. There were no sins, nothing was morally wrong. But even he believed it was wrong to kill someone. And I said, well, what if I didn't pay you for this? He said, well, you've already paid me. That's irrelevant. So what if I stole your car? No, nah, that's not wrong. But he did believe it was wrong to kill someone. I've, I've yet to meet anyone who thinks murder is okay. And so let's just take murder, for example. And most of us sitting at home, I don't know where all this is playing. I don't know what you've got in your life and background, but most of us probably are doing pretty okay on the murder thing. Um, we've not killed anyone today, right? At least. Probably most people aren't murderers. And so we all agree murder is wrong, but what does Jesus say? Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, verses 21 and 22, Jesus says, You have heard it was said that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, you see what Jesus is doing? He's editing the Bible. <laughs> Only God can do that. He's editing the Bible. 
You have heard it said, you shall not murder. But I say to you that everyone is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now maybe you've not killed anybody today. How are you doing on those things? How how are you doing? Okay, let's just say you're not actively having an affair. You're not actively committing adultery. Once again, our society has gone crazy about sex. People think you can do anything you want, whatever you want, but I still don't know anyone who thinks that adultery, just pure, simple adultery, is okay. There are folks that think things like polyamory are okay, this sort of, uh, which is adultery, but there's nobody who thinks that if there's no willingness among the partners that adultery is okay. We still, you can go find the raunchiest reality television show, right? And they think cheating is wrong on a spouse or a partner. And we might say, okay, that's not something I would ever do, is cheat on my spouse. But what does Jesus say again in Matthew 5? You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now let me ask you this question. Do you really want to be on your own trying to live up to these standards? I mean, do you really think that what G- if Jesus came and said the way... To get to God and the way to know God is to live by my good teaching. Do you think anyone's going to make it to God? If we actually go by what Jesus actually taught? No, my friends, Jesus doesn't point to the way. Jesus doesn't demonstrate the way. Jesus doesn't forge a path forward on the way for us to walk behind. Jesus is the way. He is the only way to the Father. If we want to know God, if we want to be made righteous before God, if we want to be invited into relationship with God, we don't need to emulate Jesus. We need to be made new by Jesus. We have to be invited through the way. Not go find the way on our own with Jesus as a God. Do you see what he says? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas says, how do we know the way, Lord? How do we know the way? What does Jesus say? I am the way. It's Jesus who makes us whole. It's Jesus who brings us into right relationship with God. It's Jesus who, through his death on the cross and his resurrection, makes us whole and righteous before God. It's Jesus who is the way, and it's him who makes us whole, him who comes and gets us, him who takes care of us, him who carries us along the way and as the way, even when we're oblivious to what's going on. But Jesus isn't also the way. He's also the truth. That's our second point this morning. Jesus doesn't share the truth. He is the truth. Jesus doesn't share the truth. He is the truth. You see, Jesus did share the truth with his followers. 
he shared the truth with those around him, and yet we rejected him. We, we didn't believe him. We didn't listen to him. Thankfully, though, when we encounter Jesus, when we see Jesus, when we hear what Jesus has said, when we encounter Christ, we have encountered truth. What does he say in verse 7? If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You see, I've yet to find anyone even the most hardened atheists that I've ever met, the conceit that they have, the the one thing that kind of betrays something about everyone I've ever met is that they still have a sense of curiosity about God. Nobody has ever lost a sense of curiosity about what God is like or if there is a God. In fact, as time progresses, you find fewer and fewer people who actually call themselves atheists and more and more who are intellectually humble enough to actually call themselves agnostics saying they don't know whether there's a god or not but everyone even some of the most skeptical people i've ever known are still seeking truth about god i've yet to meet anyone who doesn't wonder what god might be like and yet there are so many of us skeptics people who have some level of a faith that there might be a god or is a god All the way across the board, I think many of us are uneasy as we seek God, as we want to know who God is and what God is like. I sense a real uneasiness about what we might find when we find Him. A a, a real uneasiness about what God would be like. In fact, there are people who even seem angry at God, frustrated with God. Even some folks who don't believe in God seem to be angry. God. And yet on the flip side, I've noticed some of the same people that seem frustrated with God are also some of the same people who find Jesus compelling, who, who like what Jesus has to say, who, who appreciate who Jesus is. Now, have you ever thought about this? Now, think about this for a moment. In your heart of hearts, why would you fear God? but like Jesus. Why would you be uneasy about what God is like, but find Jesus someone who you're attracted to, someone you want to be near, someone whose teachings you appreciate, someone who you would even be willing to commend as a great moral teacher? Why would you find Jesus compelling, but thoughts of God scary? Could it be, could it be possible that it's because you are a sinner Now hear me out, don't turn the TV off, don't end the live stream because I've said you're a sinner. Listen, all you have to do is look around, we recognize we are all sinners together. But could it be that you find Jesus compelling and God scary? Could it be because you're fearful of the judgment of God? Could it be because you also are seeing and recognizing that God is telling you something about himself through the person and work of Jesus? through the teaching of Jesus, through the things you hear from Jesus? Could it be that you're a sinner who fears the wrath of God and yet who is also drawn to God because only in Him will you find satisfaction? And could it be that because Jesus was sent to earth to reconcile you to Himself, to reconcile you to God through His person and work, could that be why you are sort of torn in two internally about God and Jesus? You see, Jesus is God come to earth on a rescue mission. 
That is, in Jesus, you are learning that God loves you, cares about you, and is actively at work through His person and work, through the person and work of Christ. God is actively at work to bring you to Him and out of your sin. Could you be fearful because you want to cling to your sin? And could you find yourself drawn to Jesus because in your heart of hearts you really desperately want to know God? That you want to know that God loves you? Could you be fearful because you don't want to let go of your sin, but could you be drawn to Jesus because in Him you see truth? You see, we all want to know what God is like. We all want to know who God is. We are all truth seekers. It's one of the reasons why the day and age that we live in is so frustrating for us. Because at every corner, around every rock, behind every rock, everywhere we turn, we are afraid that what we're hearing is false. We feel manipulated. Deep down inside, we are seeking the truth. And as you flip through your TV, as you scroll through Facebook, you see all sorts of messages and all sorts of thoughts. This is what God is like. This is what God is like. That is what God is like. But if you are looking for the truth, Look to Jesus. Today you, you need to recognize and you need to learn that both of the feelings that you are experiencing when you think about God and you think about Jesus, both are true of God. There's a reason to be afraid. There's a reason to be fearful. And yet grace is available to you. Jesus is the truth. He has made both grace and truth no. Think about it like this. The truth is that what you see of Jesus is true of God. Everything you see in Christ and everything you see that's true of who Jesus is, is also true of God. Michael Reeves, in this wonderful little book called Rejoicing in Christ, said it like this. Here then is the revolution. For all our dreams, our dark and frightened imaginings of God, there is no God in heaven who is unlike Jesus. There is no God in heaven who is unlike Jesus. Jesus didn't come to show you the truth. He is the truth made flesh. He is God. And when you look to Jesus, you are seeing what God is like and what God offers to you today. Finally, the last point this morning is this. Jesus doesn't help us find life. He is the life. Jesus doesn't help us find life. He is the life. Jesus is not like a sort of cosmic Middle Eastern male Oprah who's out just trying to help you navigate uh, the waters of life. And here's some good books and here's some things to test out. Here's some things to try. Oh girl, try this. Have you thought about this? You know, that is not what Jesus is. He's not here to sort of be our life coach or our guru or to help us along the path of self-actualization. He is the life. And isn't that good news? Isn't it good news when we're in a season where we cannot help but notice? We can't help but feel. As I look at a handful of people in the sanctuary this morning, life fragile. Life is a vapor. Life is fleeting. Life can be so hard. I have gone to prepare a place for you, Jesus says. 
I am the life, Jesus says. You see, many teachers, many guides, many religious figures would try to tell you how to be rewarded, how to go to heaven, how to achieve paradise, how to make God like you. Here's how I went there. Here's how I'm getting to heaven. Why don't you come with me? Unquestionably, Jesus promises reward. He promises heaven. He promises paradise to his people. Can I ask you this question today? Who else promises life? Others may tell you how to get to heaven, but only one suffered hell so you could go. Who else actually promises life? Who else would dare to link his promises to life and not death? Who else would show his hand in such a way that what does he say? Not, hey, we'll see you when we get there. But no, I am alive and I will come alive. I am, Jesus said, the resurrection and the life. Don't you remember when Jesus said that? John chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. He says to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha says back to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And what does Jesus look to her and say? I am the resurrection and the life. Your hope, your future is no longer abstract. It's not something you have to guess about. Whoever believes in me, Jesus says, though he die, yet shall he what? Shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she says to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. You see, Jesus isn't showing us a way to find life. He's not giving us a map to a fountain of youth. He, he's not providing for us some elixir of immortality that he drinks and then we drink. He's not just simply a special guide on how to be healthier and how to live longer, or giving us 10 steps to a better life. Jesus says he is life, and if you are in him, life is yours. All of Jesus' promises are tied to the fact that He is alive. He has risen from the dead. He put a promise on it that the disciples could see, that they could touch, that they could feel. And even now we recognize Jesus Christ is no longer dead. Even now He is alive. And so when we come to Jesus, we aren't getting a map. We aren't getting away. We aren't getting an opportunity. No, when you come to Jesus, you get life. There's no getting lost. There's no messing it up. There's no letting it go. You belong to Jesus, and life is yours if you belong to Christ. My friends, we are all tempted. We are all tempted just to simply make Jesus another moral teacher. Another moral example, another path, another way, another opportunity to think about life. Your truth or my truth, but not the truth. But think about what we do when we do this. We make him the moral example of whatever it is we already think, or however it is we already behave. But see, we've all got to understand and recognize is that making Jesus a simple moral example doesn't do what we think it does. 
We think when we say, no, Jesus isn't being so exclusive here. He's not really saying he's the only way to God. What he's really saying is if you'll act like him, then you can be with God eventually more than likely. You see, we think that when we say that kind of thing and do that sort of thing, what we think we're doing is deepening grace and widening grace. But what we're actually doing is bidding people to wash themselves clean in a desert. You have no ability to do what Christ did. It asks us to go a way that we cannot go, to live out truth we cannot live, and to find a life that we will certainly lose. Instead, what we must do is we must look to the crucified and the risen Lord, who is the way and who is the truth and who is the life. I bid you this morning to look to Jesus who was broken for you so that you can come to God freely. He is the way. Look to Jesus, God made flesh, who is tender and merciful, with arms open wide today, waiting to welcome you. He is the truth and He loves you. And look to Jesus, raised from the dead, at the right hand of the Father, promising resurrection to all who trust Him. He is the life. You know, maybe and just maybe, we need to do is we need to stop asking what would Jesus do and instead we need to ask the question what has Jesus done what has Jesus done would you trust Christ today take a few moments to pray if you have business that you need help with to do with the Lord you need a pastor to pray with you to talk to you Email me, malexander at fbcgadsden.org. I'll get back to you today. And uh, during this time, you take a few moments to pray and ask God what He would have you do. After this prayer, I want to invite you to spend some time with the Lord. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank You for Jesus. We thank You for His gospel. And God, we pray that even now You would move among us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.